Well, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad that you're here today. Maybe you're curious, maybe you're critical, or you're already committed. Regardless, you're welcome online and in person. I had my first performance review as the rector of St. Paul's on Monday night. I will admit to being a little nervous before the meeting, wondering how I would react to things that might have been hard to hear. Remembering that memorable scene from the movie A Few Good Men, when Jack Nicholson's character Colonel Jessup was on trial and the Navy lawyer Tom Cruise was interrogating him. You want answers? Nicholson spat. I want the truth, retorts Cruz. You can't handle the truth, comes back Jack Nicholson's famous reply. Followers of Jesus around the world, from Delhi to Dawson City, encounter the reading we just heard about John the Baptist during the Advent season. Because the church, the global church, in its wisdom, believes we need to hear the truth that John the Baptist brings. What is that truth? And what practical difference will it make to the nice Christmas we all really want this year? Stupid pandemic. And whether you're spiritually searching or already a disciple, whatever curveballs COVID keeps throwing, how will John's truth bring us joy this Christmas, which is in 20 days? You want the truth? Well, this is a bit of the truth. If I preached like John the Baptist, you sons of snakes, what brought each of you slithering into St. Paul's today? To give God your Christmas list dressed up as prayer? To make yourself feel better about your choices in life? Don't start with me about how much you donate or how much you volunteer. I want to know what you're really doing with your life. Because there's no dress rehearsals. How you live has serious consequences. And I know you check your phone during the service. So if you're up for, you know, I, you do. So if you're up for the life that God wants you to live, not what our decadent, navel-gazing, criminally consumerist culture tells you to live, you got some serious changes to make. If not, go back to where you came from. Now, apart from the obvious reason that uh, both donations and attendance would plummet, the main reason we don't preach like that is because John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, holds a unique position in history, one that I do not uh, hold. John is whom Jesus says is the most important person who ever lived. This is Jesus. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Matthew 11, 11. So if we're serious about learning how to follow Jesus, or we're even curious about what it might look like in downtown Toronto, we sit up and pay attention when John the Baptist speaks. And Jesus is like, look, I know, he doesn't keep his body clean by socially accepted standards, he struggles with eye contact, he never says thank you. But listen to this guy, you need what he's selling. And the church, in its wisdom, has said that we need to hear this truth before Christmas. Before Christmas. We need to go through John the Baptist to get to baby Jesus. You want to have the best Christmas this year? 
You want Christmas joy? I do. We have to listen to the truth that John the Baptist brings. You see, to a significant degree, here in Toronto, we're content with the lives that we have. We found ways to manage that at least on the surface, they seem to work. Most of us are employed. Some of us are recovering addicts. Even if we have some painfully broken relationships, most of us at least have a few friends and family members to share our lives with. And some of you have lots of friends, happy marriages, meaningful careers, just living our lives. We know how to play the game or we've settled. And the church, if it's a part of your life, it's become a place to see friends and be reminded that God loves us. And then John comes along with a turn or burn message and Jesus says, keep your eyes on him. He knows what he's talking about. So what is this truth? How could it bring us joy at Christmas? Well, a quick refresher on context. The Old Testament, the first half of the Bible that we share with our Jewish sisters and brothers, it records a long tradition of fiery prophets, right? Isaiah, Amos, Ezekiel, Zechariah, mostly men, sent by God, usually with a singular task, to wake up God's chosen people, the Israelites, because they keep experiencing mission drift and to call them back to their senses. With most prophets criticizing the direction, people were being taken by their leaders. And the last prophet in the Old Testament was a man called Malachi, who was burning up the airwaves in the late 400s BCE. And then God's voice dries up. There are no more prophets. God seems to go underground. Roman occupation descends on Israel. Despair and longing grows. 400 years have passed since Malachi. That's like the distance between us and the 1600s. And finally, a prophet, John the Baptist, bursts on the scene, announcing very clearly that he was the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, announcing the coming of the long-awaited Messiah. And the truth that John the Baptist brings, the truth that opens the door to joy that we all want this Christmas, is that most of us, as American Mike Marsh writes, we're mostly too content to repent. Too content to repent. We're mostly indifferent to the problem that sin is in our lives. We're mostly indifferent to God's wrath, God's settled anger at injustice and evil. Now, it's not that we think our lives are perfect, and uh, we know we all make mistakes, uh, and we're not blind to the problems of the world. You know it, I know it. The issue is that in the face of those problems, we tend to, myself as well, medicate ourselves with what will never heal us. We search for meaning and identity in our careers, in sports, and, and we seek affirmation, we seek absolution in our friendships, in our children's success, good things, but they won't heal our sin-sick hearts. And John comes along with a searing indictment, squarely aimed at the religious leaders of the day. So me, Karen, Tyler, Ben, we should probably include the board of trustees as well. 
But in other eyewitness accounts, John is recorded addressing the entire crowd this way. So no one here is off the hook. Too content to repent? Wake up, says John. Khaled Hosseini, writing in The Kite Runner, said this. It's better to be hurt by the truth than comforted by a lie. We need a truth that tells us life does not have to stay this way. A truth that tells us that life is hard, but God will be with us. A truth that tells us injustice does not need to triumph, that love can conquer death. We need a truth that tells us that, yes, the problem is with us, but the solution is with Jesus. John calls that truth bearing fruit, worthy of repentance. And it's a kind of curious phrase. It, bearing fruit implies it's something that we produce, possibly pleasurable. But repentance, that's the tough slog of self-examination, daily reviews, let alone annual ones, of realizing that the daily and the weekly rhythms that you and I all live, you know, those rhythms, they affect the famine in Yemen. They affect our children's eternal destiny. They affect whether our friends and colleagues at work think Christian message is hope or it's a word of judgment and condemnation. How can the self-examination that repentance calls for lead us to some sweet fruit, some joy this Christmas? Otherwise, we won't get it. Well, Martin Luther... He was a famous German monk who kick-started the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. He had a flair for the dramatic. And if he lived now, he would be tweeting as much as Elon. And he launched his attack on the Roman Catholic Church by nailing his 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. This was the very first of his 95 zingers. This is what he wrote. Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Oh my gosh, Martin Luther, he's a giant of the Christian faith, but it sounds so depressing. Like, what are you doing this weekend, Jenny? Oh, you know, repenting. Got any plans for the holidays? Yep, repentance. It sounds depressing, painful, and never-ending, like you can never make any progress. But it only sounds depressing if you haven't met Jesus. It only sounds depressing if you've never heard the gospel. That we are more sinful than we like to admit, but we're more wildly loved, cherished, adored than you think is possible. Gospel-shaped repentance, it can bring us joy at Christmas. Let me show you how. Now, there's a certain kind of repentance that is still primarily about us, right? We're sorry because of the consequences, right? Either the embarrassment because we got caught or the loss of some social status. Maybe you've been ghosted or a relationship that brings you pleasure is now damaged, right? That kind of repentance is still fundamentally selfish, right? It's still mostly about us. Or our repentance is so fueled by guilt and self-loathing that we convince ourselves we're so remorseful God has to forgive us, as if God was on retainer working for us. 
But gospel-shaped repentance is different. This kind of repentance is not primarily about the consequences for ourselves, but it's focused on God and it's focused on our neighbors, those sitting around this morning. How our thoughts and our actions or our inaction hurt God, destroy God's creation and damage other people wonderfully made in the image of God. Gospel-shaped repentance is done in the knowledge that we don't need to be fueled by self-loathing and guilt. We don't do guilt here. We don't need to suffer to be forgiven. We simply need to receive the gift of forgiveness given to us by Jesus. He suffered so we don't have to. This is the truth that John the Baptist brings, bearing fruit worthy of repentance. And it can bring a joy. It can bring a sweetness to you at Christmas. We need a truth that is honest, yet hopeful. This time of year, we tend to focus on relationships, right? Those we have, work colleagues, friends, you might see at some uh, holiday parties, family members you can't wait to connect with. And we think of the relationships we don't have. The pain of people who were missing this year, or a relationship we really wish we had. And we tend to reflect on the year past and our anxieties for 2023. And gospel-shaped repentance gives us the next 20 days to grow in love for other people. Because friends, where else is joy to be found? And it works like this. The second pillar of our rhythm of life, it calls us into a daily time of, of study and prayer. And so in those few quiet minutes before your day starts, maybe it's the last uh, few minutes before, before you fall asleep, ask yourself a few questions. Is there someone I've caricatured in my mind so that I feel better about myself? Is there someone I talk about behind their back rather than the difficult face-to-face -face conversation? Are there people I just don't give enough attention to or are irritable with? And in your time of repentance, don't focus on yourself. Focus on Jesus. <laughs> Remember his infinite patience with you, and you will grow in patience with other people. Remember his infinite love for you, and you will grow in attentiveness to those around you. In your repentance, name any anxiety you, you might have about the holidays. Name anxiety you might have about what 2023 holds for you. Then focus not on yourself. Focus on Jesus and his infinite care for you. This increased patience, this loving attentiveness and decreased anxiety, that's the kind of joyful fruit that can come from repentance. And John does not mince words, right, about our need to produce this kind of fruit. And this isn't an optional extra if you're learning how to follow Jesus or if you'd like some joy this Christmas. Daily self-examination, gospel-shaped repentance, gives us a truth that does not hurt us. Sorry, Khaled Hosseini, I don't agree. But a truth that challenges, comforts, heals, and leads to joy. You can't handle the truth. Yes, I can. So can you. The truth is, yes, the problem is with us, but the solution is with Jesus. And Christmas joy is on the way.
Thanks be to God. Amen.